Then Allah says, وَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ And when you recite the Qur'an, meaning the Prophet ﷺ is being addressed over here, first and foremost, that when you recite the Qur'an, جَعَلْنَا we place بَيْنَكَ between you وَبَيْنَ الَّذِينَ and between those people who لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ who do not believe in the hereafter. What do we place between you and those who disbelieve in the akhirah? Hijaban, a veil, a barrier, a screen, a curtain that is mastura, that is hidden, that is concealed, that neither you can see nor they can see. But there is a barrier between you and the people who do not believe in the akhirah. So when you recite the Qur'an, even from your heart, you're saying something to them, you're talking to them, you wish to communicate with them, because there is this invisible barrier in between. What happens is that what you say does not reach their hearts. Now this ayah is basically connected with the theme of these verses. And what's the theme of the verses? We learned earlier that Tawheed is mentioned over and over again. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, وَلَقَدْ صَرَّفْنَا فِي هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ in this Qur'an we have mentioned major concepts over and over again in different ways. Why? So that people remember, they understand. So the message is clear. So the question is that when the message of Tawheed is so clear, it's mentioned over and over again in so many different ways, why don't people get it? Why don't they understand? When you read the seerah and you think about people like Abu Jahl, you wonder, did his mind function? Like seriously? If he saw the Prophet ﷺ, that beautiful man, that truthful and honest man, and if he saw the Muslims, how could he disbelieve? When the mushrikeen witnessed the miracle of the splitting of the moon, they recognized the Prophet ﷺ to be the most honest and truthful and trustworthy and reliable man. Why is it that they opposed him so vehemently? What was the reason? Why did they not believe? This Qur'an, people hear today and their hearts melt. Imagine hearing the Qur'an directly from the mouth of the Prophet ﷺ. Even that did not shake them. Even that did not move them. Why? Allah tells the reason over here. There is a hijabam mastura. There is a barrier, invisible curtain between the Prophet ﷺ and those disbelievers whom you recited the Qur'an to. And even today this happens. That the message of the Qur'an is clear. However, why is it that it doesn't reach the heart of the listener? Is there a problem with the Qur'an? No. The problem is that there is a barrier. The thing is that when people communicate with each other, when one person is speaking, especially from the heart, then what should happen? It should reach the heart of the other person. But sometimes it does not reach their heart. They do not understand what is being said. Even though something is so simple and clear, they find it confusing and complicated. Why? Because if someone has decided that they are not going to accept what is being told to them, then what's going to happen? No matter how you talk, no matter how you explain, they're not going to take it. They're not going to accept it. The Prophet ﷺ was, you can say, the perfect communicator for amongst mankind. He was the one who communicated most clearly, most eloquently. But still, if people did not understand what he was saying, they were not willing to accept it, that means there was some barrier. And what was that barrier? Because there are barriers in communication. Alright? There are barriers in accepting communication. 
What happens is that each person, because of the experiences that they have, they develop certain beliefs. Alright? So for example, you have been living with your brother all your life. And over time you have come to know, you have developed this belief that my brother, in certain matters he's very selfish. You hold this belief for example. Or in certain matters he's very very generous. Now what will happen? Every time your brother is communicating with you, you are passing those words through this filter. What filter? He is very selfish. So what happens is that even though he's saying something that's really good, you will pass it through that filter and it will affect the way you perceive what he's telling you. You understand? So this is the reason why sometimes a particular individual is talking to us really sincerely but we misunderstand what they're telling us. They're talking to us in a very nice way. They really want the best for us, but we get upset and we get angry and we get agitated. Why? Because we have already believed in our heads that this person is not good. This person is not right. This person is like this and like this and like this. So we filter that information through you know, a particular funnel that we have in our head. Now this funnel or this filter, this is a barrier in communication. You have to remove it. You have to get rid of it if you want to communicate properly. So for example, a husband and wife. If they believe, one person believes that, oh, you know, she doesn't respect me. Or she believes that, oh, he doesn't love me, he doesn't care about me. Then they will both examine everything with those glasses, right? So everything will translate as, she doesn't respect me. Everything will look like, oh, he doesn't love me. Right? So when they go for counseling, what are they told? Get rid of this thinking. Don't think about this. You have to overcome it. You have to put these feelings aside. If you want to communicate properly, if you want your relationship to work, you have to put your past experiences on the side. So likewise we see that the people who use their mind and who examine the message of the Prophet ﷺ with an open heart, what happened? They believed. You remember that companion who, when he came to Mecca for Hajj, he was warned by the mushrikeen. There is a magician here, alright, and he says these words, which if you listen even once, you'll get affected by it, you'll get bewitched. So be careful, don't listen to him. So what did he do? He put cotton in his ears. He plugged them literally, so that he would not hear the Prophet ﷺ even by accident. He did this for some time, and then he said, you know what? I have a mind of my own. I'm not that crazy. I'm not that impressionable. I can at least listen to what he's saying and decide myself if it's right or wrong. So when he put that filter, that funnel aside, what happened? That communication, it opened up. He was able to receive what the Prophet ﷺ was giving. Yes. Assalamu alaikum. There is an incident where I was encouraging somebody to attend a specific class, but um, they like kind of stopped me before I could even start explaining what the class is about. And the reason was an affiliation problem. Like they affiliate with this person, therefore I don't want to even know what they're like teaching. But they're teaching tafsir of the Quran. Like you know, this is what's happening. No, 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 I don't, like, no matter how many ways I tried describing, like, what actually happens in the class, just because of something else, yeah. they weren't taking in the yeah, message. It, I mean, think about it. 
For example, in the media, constantly, what do we see? Muslims are like this, and Muslims are like that, and Muslims are like that. So there are people who have never met a Muslim, but what do they think about Muslims? You know, they are of a certain kind, right? So the first time that they do interact with a Muslim, they're amazed, they're surprised that seriously Muslims are like this? I thought Muslims were different. Right? So why? Because what you hear, what you see, whether it's true or false, you develop your own opinions about it. And those opinions, those beliefs, they become so strong that no matter what you come across, you filter it through that. So that affects, you know, communication. People develop something called schemas, and it's basically like a set of preconceived notions about something. So there was an experiment where uh, they showed a professor's office, and they asked students what was in the office, and they were asked to remember what it was. And students actually ended up saying, oh, there was books and this type of things and that type of things that weren't actually in the professor's office, because they had preconceived notions about how a professor's office should be. It really shows how important it is for us to keep cleaning our hearts, keep cleaning our thoughts, because if we let these things build up, you start assuming things about people and other things that just aren't true. Exactly. And it comes back to you negatively in the end. Exactly. وَجَعَلْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ أَكِنَّةً أَنْ يَفْقَهُوهُ And we have placed over their hearts akinna. Akinna is the plural of kin. And what is kin? A cover. A case. So on their hearts is a case. What does that mean? That their hearts are closed. There's something that is covering their hearts. أَيَّفْقَهُوهُ Lest they understand it. Understand what? What is being read to them. What is being recited to them. So even though the Qur'an is in the same language as they speak, or the messages, the content is so simple, easy to understand, logical. But what happens? Because they have already made up their mind, this is not true, he's just making all of this up, then what will happen? They will never understand the Qur'an. وَفِي آذَانِهِمْ وَقْرًا And in their ears is وَقْرًا Adhan is a plural of udun. What is waqr? Waqr is literally a burden, heaviness, weight. Now think about it. If a person's ears are heavy, for example, heavy with earwax, okay? Or what happens is that they have put something heavy in order to plug their ears. Will they be able to hear anything? No, they won't be able to hear. وَفِي آذَانِهِمْ وَقْرًا In their ears is a heaviness that's causing them to become deaf. So that they're not able to hear words that are so clear. Again, this waqr, this heaviness is what? Their preconceived notions. What they have decided themselves from before. You know, if someone wants to listen, they are interested in listening. They're interested in finding out what the other is saying to them. Will they be able to listen? Yes. You know, for example, there could be a lecture that you really, really need to listen to. A recording. Why? Because it's of a class and an assignment is based on it. You really have to listen to it. But that recording is not that clear. There's so much background noise. But what will happen? You will ignore the background noise and you will focus on the words. Will you catch the words? Yes, you will. But if you're not interested in listening, then even though the words are so clear, there's no background noise, what will happen? You'll zone out. And if you're asked what was being said, you're like, huh? What? Did you say something to me? You completely zone out, right? So, وَفِي آذَانِهِمْ وَقْرًا وَإِذَا ذَكَرْتَ رَبَّكَ فِي الْقُرْآنِ And when you mention your Lord in the Qur'an, meaning while reciting the Qur'an, you mention your Lord, because there is mention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
وَحْدَهُ أُمْلِهِمْ Meaning when Allah's tawheed is mentioned in the Qur'an and when you recite those ayat, what happens to these people? وَلَّوْ عَلَىٰ أَدْبَارِهِمْ They turn away on their backs. Meaning they just turn their backs towards you. They walk away. Nufura In aversion. In dislike. Meaning they hate the concept of tawheed so much. They hate to even hear that Allah is one. They dislike this belief so much that every time Allah is mentioned alone, they just get upset and they just walk away. They leave. They cannot tolerate to even hear it. So what do we learn over here? That this is the root cause, this is the main problem. Why they don't understand the Qur'an and why they don't believe in the Qur'an. What's the main problem? They don't want to accept the sovereignty, the oneness of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah is one. What does that mean? That the power, the authority, the sovereignty that He has, He shares it with nobody. So He can decide whatever, and He can command whatever. And some people, they have a big problem with that. They say, no. If I want to do something, I should have the choice to make that decision. And if I want to go this way, why am I being punished? Why should I be punished? Well, you know what? Because Allah, the Supreme, He decided. He told us what is right and what is wrong. So when people hear about the oneness of Allah, that's it, they get upset. And this is not just you know, something that happened at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. This happens today also. That in a conversation, if you mention drugs, if you mention food, if you mention clothes, if you mention superstars, no problem. The moment God is mentioned, what happens? People get upset. The moment religion is brought in conversation, people go away. Right? This is a problem. Now you see the mushrikeen, what was their religion all about? Worship of idols. They loved their idols, they loved their false gods. And their hearts were full of love for who? Their false gods. So this is the reason why when Allah was mentioned, Him alone, they would get upset. Because the thing is that when the heart is full of love for غير Allah, for other than Allah, then there is no room for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no room for Allah then a person cannot tolerate even the mention of Allah. Forget about salah, and forget about the day of judgment, and forget about Jannah and Jahannam. The very mention of God upsets people. In Surah Az-Zumur, Ayah 45, we learn, وَإِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ When Allah alone is mentioned, إِشْمَأَزَّتْ قُلُوبُ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ Those people who do not believe in the hereafter, their hearts shrink with aversion. Shrink! They feel tight. They feel so uncomfortable. They're like, you know what, stop it. I don't want to hear about this religion. I don't want to hear about God. They get disgusted. They want to go away. Surah Al-Shura, Ayah 13, we learn, كَبُرَ عَلَى الْمُشْرِكِينَ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِ Difficult for those who associate others with Allah is that to which you invite them. Meaning you invite them to the oneness of Allah, it's very difficult for them to accept it. Why? Because the hearts are full. With something else, love for something else. نَحْنُ أَعْلَمُ Allah says, we know. We know really well. We know best. بِمَا يَسْتَمِعُونَ بِهِ بِمَا About that which يَسْتَمِعُونَ They listen attentively بِهِ with it. Meaning, the mushrikeen, first of all, they would not want to listen to the Prophet Right? Reciting the Qur'an. They wouldn't want to listen to him. Every time they would see him, they would go away. They would deliberately avoid him. When they would hear him reciting the Qur'an, they would put their fingers in their ears and walk away. 
they would avoid him to this length. However, at the same time, the Qur'an is also very powerful. It is such that when it is being recited, you are pulled towards its recitation. And this is not just the state of the Muslims, this is even the state of a person who has never heard the Qur'an. When he hears that recitation of the Qur'an, you know, he's pulled towards it. So imagine the mushrikeen, the people whose language was Arabic, when they heard the Qur'an, imagine how much it would attract them. So they were pulled towards its recitation in order to listen to it. However, they didn't want to show to the Prophet ﷺ that they were listening. So what would they do? Pretend like they're not listening and they're not interested. But then they would also go and secretly check out, you know, what was being recited. Secretly they would go. Because they couldn't keep away. This is just like, you know, if something, you hear about it, and initially you say, no, no, no. But then there's this curiosity left in your mind that, what is it after all? What is it? You know, for example, you hear people talking about a particular movie. And you say to them, oh no, no, I don't watch movies. I stopped watching movies a long time ago. You hear somebody else take its name. And then you see a big poster. And then you see an ad. You're like, what is this after all? Let me Google it. And then you Google it and you find out, oh, it's a movie about such and such. They're like, oh, interesting. And then somebody says, have you watched that movie? And then you're like, no, I haven't. It's like, why don't you come over? We'll watch it together. So you see how when you initially refuse something, but still you find it interesting, you cannot keep away from it. You're pulled towards it, step by step by step. So the mushrikeen also, they try to avoid the Qur'an. But they couldn't keep away. They could not avoid it. So they would come to listen. And when they wouldn't listen with, yeah, let me listen to this beautiful Qur'an and see what I can learn, and how it can change my heart, and how I can get become a better person. No. They would listen in order to find Faults in order to find problems, in order to find, you know, something that they could make a big issue out of. So Allah says, نَحْنُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا يَسْتَمِعُونَ بِهِ We are most knowing of how these people listen to it. Meaning, how they listen to the Qur'an. For what purpose? What is their intention? Are they really seeking guidance? Or are they seeking problems. إِذْ يَسْتَمِعُونَ إِلَيْكَ When they do come to listen to you attentively, when you're reciting the Qur'an. And then when they are done listening, they go, وَإِذْ هُمْ نَجْوَى And when they are in najwa, najwa meaning in private conversation. Meaning later on, they go and talk amongst themselves secretly. About who? About you, about the Qur'an, about what they heard. And what is it that they say? That it was a beautiful recitation? It was a beautiful kalam, and that makes so much sense, and that makes so much sense? No. Of course, what would they talk about? Something negative. What would they say about the Prophet ﷺ? Something negative. So, إِذْ يَقُولُ الظَّالِمُونَ When the wrongdoers say that, إِن تَتَّبِعُونَ You do not follow إِلَّا رَجُلًا مَسْحُورًا Except a man who is masur, Meaning who is affected by magic. Meaning this is what they say about the Prophet ﷺ, about the Qur'an, once they have heard the Qur'an. What do they say? It's magic. What do they say about the Prophet ﷺ? He's been affected by magic. Does this happen today? It does. That people when they listen to the Qur'an, they come with their you know, preconceived notions and beliefs that this Qur'an is not true. I have to examine it very objectively. And then what happens when they read it? 
and they find one thing that does not make sense to them. For example, you just open up the Qur'an, you read first page, Surah Al-Fatiha, okay, that makes sense in the next page. As soon as you reach, indeed, those who disbelieve, it is the same whether you warn them or you do not warn them, they shall never believe. Because Allah has set a seal upon their hearts. So instantly what happens? This is not true. Why is God forcing people to disbelieve? Why is God misleading people? You understand? So they get stuck over there. They will forget about what they read earlier and what follows next. They will just focus on that part and get stuck over there. If a person is looking for something negative, they will just stop there because they found something negative. But if a person is looking, you know, really with an open mind, positively, then what will they say? They'll say, okay, there must be an explanation behind this. There must be a reason behind this. After all, I'm reading the translation, and the translation can never do justice to the original. And there must be more to this. So they keep reading, and they keep reading. And each time they reach a hurdle, they overcome it, and they keep going and going and going. So you see difference in attitude. One is looking for problems. And the other is looking for solutions, for answers, for guidance. Each person will find what they are looking for. And this is not true just with respect to the Qur'an. This is true with respect to everything in life. You'll get what you're looking for. You will find what you are seeking. Definitely you will find it. So the mushrikeen, when they would listen to the Prophet ﷺ, what would they say? Inta illa rajula mashura. He's only affected by magic. Forget it. But then they couldn't resist, and they would go and listen again, and they would go and listen again. Allah says, "Unzur, look at these people. Kaifa darabu, how they strike. Laka for you al amsal examples. Not just examples, but also comparisons, descriptions. Because the word amsal is the plural of mathal." And that would mean examples. And amsal is also the plural of mithil. And that would mean a comparison, an equivalent, a description. So over here, the meaning is of comparison or description. Then look at these people. What kind of descriptions are they giving about you? Look at the kind of things they're saying about you. Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Because he was never called a crazy man, before he proclaimed prophethood. He was never doubted in. People never accused him of lying, of treachery, of any sort of misconduct, nothing. His record was clear. In fact, he was one of the best people of Arabia. Someone who was respected. Someone who was noble. And you know when the Kaaba, it got affected by the floods, what happened? The Hajar Aswad was also, it was removed from its position because of the water, right? So when there was a dispute as to who should put it in its place, who walked in? Muhammad And what happened to the mushrikeen? They were willing to accept him. Why? Because they respected him. So why is it that now all of a sudden they were accusing him of lying? They were accusing him of being affected by magic. They were accusing him of, you know, one thing after the other. Sometimes they said that he was a magician. Sometimes they said magic has been done on him. Sometimes they said there is a jinn on him. And sometimes they said there is a jinn who comes to him. A jinn in his control. Contradictory things, right? 
So Allah says, Umur, kayfa darabu lakal amsal? Fadallu. They're lost. They've lost their way. Fala yastati'una sabila. So they cannot find a way. Because the thing is that when something is right in front of your eyes and you're not willing to accept it, and you say, no, no, I'm not going to go this way, I'm going to go this way, and you go away from it, then are you going to reach the destination? Never. You're never going to reach the destination. You have to accept what is in front of you if you want to find your way. You know, for example, if you are going somewhere, you're driving, and there is a GPS that you're following, and the GPS is telling you, take right, go on this highway, and go on that highway, and take this exit or that exit. And you realize that, okay, this place was under construction recently, so whatever the GPS is going to tell me, I'm just going to follow it. Alright? So what happens? It tells you, take this highway. And you're like, no, no, but this highway goes the other way. Why is it telling me to take this highway? It happened with me recently. This is why I'm giving this example. So what happens is that you say, no, no, I can't trust the GPS. Even though it's telling me, I cannot trust it. I'm going to go the other way. So you go the other way. Are you going to get to your destination? No. In fact, you're going to lose time. What's going to happen? Eventually, you're going to realize, I'm getting lost. So I better stop and look. So when you stop and you look at the directions, you realize, oh, it was taking you on the other highway because now there is a new connection between this highway and that highway. So it was taking me the shorter way. You have to accept it. And if you don't accept it, what's going to happen? فَضَلُّوا فَلَا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ sabila. You're never going to find your way. At one point you're going to say one thing, at another point you're going to say something else, you're going to come up with one excuse after the other, after another, and you're going to end up nowhere. You know, this is simple. In life, there are some things that are basic. You have to do them. You cannot get away from them. Like for example, if you're told you need to drink more water, and you say, no, no, I can't drink it because of this and this and this reason. You come up with an excuse. And what are you told? No, this excuse is not good enough because you have this option. You say, no, no, I'm always on the go, I'm on the bus, and I can't always find water. What are you told? Carry a water bottle with you. Yeah, I do bring it with me, but then when it runs out, it's just sitting empty in my bag. You're like, no, there's water fountains everywhere. You can fill it up again. Right? So, when you are avoiding the truth, reality, running away from it, you're not going to get anywhere. What do you have to do? Accept the reality and make life easy for yourself. And if a person does not accept reality, فَضَلُّوا فَلَا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ سَبِيلًا وَقَالُوا And they say, أَإِذَا كُنَّا عِظَامًا What? When we have turned into bones, وَرُفَاتًا And crumbled particles. عِظَام is a plural of عظم. So عِظَام, bones. Now what happens is that when a person is being defeated in an argument, what happens? He comes with something else. One other excuse. So this is exactly what the mushrikeen would do. That when shirk was proven false and they couldn't come up with any other justification for shirk, what would they do? Pick on something else that the Prophet ﷺ had told them. So here what is mentioned? That now they start arguing about resurrection, about hereafter. How is that even possible? They say, what? When we have turned into bones and crumbled particles, rufat is used for crushed bits. It's basically referred to decayed and crumbled bits of a creature. You know, when a creature has died, 
and it's been you know buried for a long time if you dig up that grave what will you find maybe a little bit of you know for example skin or bones and if it's after a longer period of time then what will you find hardly anything crumbled bits so it's basically mortal remains so when we have turned into bones and even those bones have decayed and disintegrated into the earth crushed bits inna lamab'uthun what are we going to be resurrected khalqan in a creation that is jadida new our bodies are going to be made up again we are going to be resurrected again our bodies are going to be formed we're going to be given life why are we they saying this how's that even possible how can resurrection ever take place once bones have decomposed even they have turned into crumbled bits how can you put them back together how is it possible that these bodies will form again in surah yasin ayat 8 we learn qala may yuhyil idama wa hiya ramim they say who will give life to bones while they have disintegrated allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds he says qul say to them kunu hijaratan aw hadida become turn into stones or iron meaning even if your bodies have decomposed into the earth and they have remained in the earth for so long for thousands and thousands of years to the point that they turn into rock or they turn into iron aw khalqan or into a creation that is mimma yakburu fi sudurikum that is even greater in your hearts meaning you consider it to be even tougher even further from life still allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can resurrect you Allah can bring you back to life. It's not difficult for Allah. Notice two things are mentioned over here. If you turn into rock or iron, Allah is still capable of bringing you back to life, of forming your body again. He has full ability to do that. If you think about rocks, there are different kinds of rocks, right? Hmm? So, for example, sedimentary rocks. How are they formed? they're formed through the gradual accumulation of sediment so for example sand on a beach if it's been sitting there and then more stuff comes on top of it and more stuff comes on top of it and more stuff comes on top of it what happens is that after thousands and thousands of years that sand which was originally just sand on the beach what will happen it's so compacted together that it will turn into rock this doesn't happen over 100 years or just 1000 years more than that So imagine if your bones have decomposed completely turned into dust and sand and turned into hijara rocks meaning it's been thousands and thousands and thousands of years since you died aw hadida hadid iron now again earth's most important iron ore deposits where they found in sedimentary rocks all right so whether you turn into rock or iron or khalqa mimma yakbur fi sudurikum or something that's even tougher than that because iron rock or something that's even tougher than that for example diamonds okay if you put water on them will they grow no when it comes to sand if you put water on it what happens at least it absorbs it but rock if you pour water on it what will happen Will it absorb it? No. 
it will not absorb it. You immerse it in water, it will still not absorb it. Why? Because it's far from life, from accepting any form of life. It seems dead, lifeless. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that whether you turn into something like this, you have completely decomposed and turned into something else, Allah is able to resurrect you. Talking about resurrection, there's a really interesting frog called a wood frog. And what it does is in the winter, it finds like a patch of ice or something and it makes contact with it. When it touches the ice, it starts a process in the frog's body that like the frog literally just like freeze. Like there's no more, the blood isn't flowing in the frog, the heart's not pumping, its brain is not working, it's technically dead and nothing's happening in the frog. And it stays like that for a few months and the spring happens, the sun's like just, nobody knows how, but somehow it starts like a thawing process and after about 10 hours, it, the blood starts flowing, the heart starts pumping, the brain starts working and it just it starts moving with its life again. It's amazing. I mean, you'd think that if a frog has been frozen for even a day, it's dead. But after several months, it comes back to life. Humans have been trying to recreate the process of the wood frog. It's like cryogenics, where you're trying to freeze a person and try to bring them back to life. But always the problem with what happens is that when you try to thaw a person, the brain comes to life first before the blood starts pumping. And so the brain automatically realizes that you know the rest of the system isn't working, so it shuts the rest of the body down. And so that's how the person dies. SubhanAllah with the wood frog, like this is no technology, nothing. This has naturally been happening for years. It unfreezes itself and subhanAllah it, the heart unfreezes first which is a, it's a miracle because we haven't been able to accomplish that with any of our sciences yet yes. and yet the frog's been doing this for how many ever years yes. so if Allah shows this to us that how things that can die and then come back to life again Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can recreate people you know when you think about resurrection you wonder you know when people die and their body goes into the earth and it's decomposed it turns into mud and then you know, plants grow from it, and then an animal comes and eats it. So if you think about those original particles which were part of a human being, and now, you know, into something else, they've entered an animal. How will this resurrection be? Do you remember that incident where a man, when he was near his death, he told his children that after I die, burn my body, turn it into ashes, and then on a windy, on a stormy day, take the ashes and just blow them away. And that was done. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered that the ashes be collected, brought together. And that man was resurrected. And Allah asked him that why is it that you ordered this to be done? And that man said, out of your fear. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that because of your fear, you're forgiven. So think about it. If a person, his body is burnt and scattered, lost in this world, eaten by an animal, you know, drowned in the water, never to be found, turned into coal, whatever material it transforms into. Allah knows exactly where each and every piece of the body is, in what form it is. So much so that we learn that on the Day of Judgment, people will be resurrected. How? One description that is given is uncircumcised. If you think about it, in circumcision, what happens? A tiny piece of flesh is removed from the body. A tiny piece of flesh. Right? So on the day of judgment, when a person will be resurrected, his body will be in complete and whole form. So if a piece of flesh was cut off in this life, it was separated from his body, 
on the day of judgment it will be a part of his body where did that piece of flesh end up what it turned into still allah is able to bring it back together bala qadirin ala an nusawiya banana even the fingertips allah is able to fashion them perfectly again aw khalqan mimma yakbaru fi sudurikum fasayquluna then they will say mayyiduna who can bring this back who can do that it's not possible for anybody with all our technology and knowledge and experience we have never been able to do anything like this who can do it mayyiduna who can resurrect us who can bring us back it's not possible for anybody qul say to them الذي فطركم أول مرة the one who created you the first time the one who made you the first time you were nothing he brought you into existence he formed your body he gave you every bit of your body that you have الذي فطركم أول مرة he is the one who can resurrect you again because think about it making something the first time and then making something the second time what's easy the second time right and once something has been done it can certainly be repeated so if he created you the first time where did your nutrition come from from turab from mud so likewise when your body will turn back into mud you think he cannot bring you back again think about this body that we have where was it 50 years ago 100 years ago was it there no i mean think about it a baby when he's born how tiny is he but then gradually how his size increases increases Where is that coming from? Are you stretching it and pulling it and adding stuff to the body? No. That child eats food and that food comes from where? From the ground, from the mud. And that causes his body to grow. So when this body will turn back into mud, when it will go back into mud, turn into mud, can Allah not recreate it? Of course he can. قُلِ الَّذِي فَطَرَكُمْ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةِ فَسَيُنْغِضُونَ إِلَيْكَ So now, they will nod their heads at you yunghiduna nughud nun ghain dad and it basically means to move your head up and down like oh hmm interesting when is it that people nod their head up and down either when they're agreeing with you or they're like uh-huh like seriously as if they're mocking at you so they will nod their heads at you as if they're thinking kind of makes sense to them but they're not willing to accept it so they want to laugh it off fasayunghiduna ilayka ru'usahum and they're thinking and they're coming up with something else to argue with you wa yaquluna and they will say okay matahu when is it going to be you say this resurrection is going to take place you've been saying that for 7 years for 5 years it still hasn't happened when is it going to be and people today will say 1400 years ago your prophet came and he said there will be resurrection when is it going to be وَيَقُولُونَ مَتَاهُ قُلْ Say to them, عَسَىٰ أَنْ يَكُونَ قَرِيبًا Perhaps it is very near. Perhaps it is very soon. Because something that is coming, that is about to happen, you don't know when it's going to happen. It can happen any moment, right? Like for example, if you have invited somebody to your house and they say, yeah, I'll come anywhere between 2 and 3. So what happens? After 2 o'clock, you're like, any moment they're going to be here. Any moment they're going to be here. And when they walk in at 2.57, then what happens? You're like, you've been making me wait for an hour. Right? Because 
In that hour, you didn't go to the bathroom, you didn't eat anything, you changed so quickly and you did so many things running around. Why? Because they could come any moment. So you want to be ready. Completely ready. It's like, you know, if you have somebody to, who's supposed to come to your house and fix the telephone or something, or the internet or something, and you've been given a window, so you keep your hijab on, and you're waiting those two hours because they gave you, you know, this window of three hours, so you have your hijab on for two and a half hours even, and then they're finally walking. Why are you ready from two and a half hours before? Because they said they could come at that time. Qareeb. Likewise, the Day of Judgment, what is it? Qareeb. And the fact is that when a person dies, then basically he's entered into the realm of the hereafter because there's no coming back. Now when is it that a person is going to die? Do we know? Do we know? Do we have any idea? Do we have any clue that our death could be very, very near? It is near. For sure it's near. But we don't know how near. A person doesn't know. He goes out of his house and he thinks he'll come back fine and he dies. Literally it could be so near as less than a minute. Less than a minute. Asa أَن يَكُونَ قَرِيبًا Surah Al-Ma'arij, ayah 6-7, Allah says, إِنَّهُمْ يَرَوْنَهُ بَعِيدًا They see it to be far. They think the hour, death, day of judgment, far. وَنَرَاهُ قَرِيبًا But we see it to be very near. يَوْمَ يَدْعُوكُمْ On the day that He will call you. How will it be? How will this resurrection be? How is it that your bodies will come out of this mud? You'll be resurrected. How will this take place? يَوْمَ يَدْعُوكُمْ When He will call you. فَتَسْتَجِيبُونَ Then you will all respond. بِحَمْدِهِ With His praise. Meaning when Allah will call people, at the time of the hour, then no one can stay sleeping. Then no one can remain in their grave. Every single person is going to come out of the earth. فَتَسْتَجِيبُونَ You're going to respond. Because how is the Day of Judgment going to begin? With the blowing of the trumpet. When the trumpet will be blown the first time, the first time, what will happen? All those who are alive will die. And then the trumpet will be blown another time. And why is it that the trumpet will be blown? It's like an alarm. Get up. Wake up. Come back to life. Come back to life. فَتَسْتَجِيبُونَ And everybody will get up. Everybody will be resurrected. Everybody will come out of their graves. فَتَسْتَجِيبُونَ بِحَمْدِهِ With His praise. Meaning with nothing but words of praise of your Lord on your mouth. وَتَغُنُّونَ إِلَّا بِثْتُمْ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا And you will think that you did not remain except very little. Meaning you would think that the time you spent in your grave or the time that you spent in your worldly life was very, very brief, very little. Because the Day of Judgment, so long, so difficult, so horrific, that because of its length and because of its difficulty, the life on the earth or the life in the grave will seem like a moment, a day, a part of a day. وَتَظُنُّونَ إِلَّا بِثْتُمْ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا In Surah Yasin ayah 52 we learn, قَالُوا يَا وَيْلَنَا مَنْ بَعَثَنَا مِنْ مَرْقَدِنَا When people will be resurrected, they will say, Oh, woe to us, who has raised us up from our sleeping place? We were sleeping in our graves. Who woke us up? But you know, people are either punished in the grave or they're rewarded in the grave. 
Now imagine, people are being resurrected and what are they saying about the time in the grave? It was sleep. Why will they call it sleep? Because compared to the difficulties of the akhirah, the time in the grave will literally seem like a nap. Even though it was full of pain and misery. وَتَظُنُّونَ إِلَّا بِثْتُمْ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا What's the lesson here? Instead of focusing on when, when, when I will die and when, when, when this day of judgment is going to be, worry about what you're supposed to do right now. When death is going to happen, that's beyond your control. When the day of judgment is going to occur, that is also beyond your control. But the moments, the hours, the days you've been given right now, that's for a reason. Do something before this time slips away from your hand and you're just lying in your grave unable to do anything. Unable to change anything. Let's listen to the recitation of these ayat. وَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ جَعَلْنَا بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ حِجَابًا مَسْتُورًا وَجَعَلْنَا عَلَى قُلُوبِهِمْ أَكِنَّةً أَنْ يَفْقَهُوهُ وَفِي آذَانِهِمْ وَقْرًا وَإِذَا ذَكَرْتَ رَبَّكَ فِي الْقُرْآنِ وَحْدَهُ وَلَّوْ عَلَىٰ أَدْبَارِهِمْ نُفُورًا نَحْنُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا يَسْتَمِعُونَ بِهِ يَسْتَمِعُونَ إِلَيْكَ وَإِذْ هُمْ نَجْوَى وَإِذْ هُمْ نَجْوَى إِذْ يَقُولُ الظَّالِمُونَ إِن تَتَّبِعُونَ إِلَّا رَجُلًا مَسْحُورًا انظُرْ كَيْفَ ضَرَبُوا لَكَ الْأَمْثَالَ فَضَلُّوا فَضَلُّوا فَلَا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ سَبِيلًا وَقَالُوا أَإِذَا كُنَّا عِظَامًا وَرُفَاتًا أَإِنَّا لَمَبْعُوثُونَ خَلْقًا جَدِيدًا قُلْ كُونُوا حِجَارَةً أَوْ حَدِيدًا أَوْ خَلْقًا مِمَّا يَكْبُرُ فِي صُدُورِكُمْ فَسَيَقُولُونَ مَنْ يُعِيدُنَا قُلِ الَّذِي فَطَرَكُمْ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةٌ فَسَيُنْغِضُونَ إِلَيْكَ رُؤُوسَهُمْ وَيَقُولُونَ مَتَاهُ قُلْ عَسَى أَنْ يَكُونَ قَرِيبًا يَوْمَ يَدْعُوكُمْ فَتَسْتَجِيبُونَ بِحَمْدِهِ وَتَظُنُّونَ إِنْ لَبِثْتُمْ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا 